Hello and welcome to episode 5 Owl and Fowl's Norwich City Football Club We Meet Again series. So it's the podcast where we look back at the history between Norwich and our next opponents, delve, discuss, debate all the Ds, moments in time where our respective clubs have met, uh, we look at any trends, quirks, key talking points, and uh, yeah, we just talk football really. So next up, it's uh, a club that's managed by one of our own, Norwich born and bred, lifetime fan, uh, Paul Warren. And his championship underdogs back in the championship after one season in uh, in League One. So they've bounced straight back up. Uh, Rotherham United. So natural place to start, uh, a word on Paul Warren. He had a career in the local Norfolk scene. He won the FA Fast with Dis. I didn't realise that. Did he? Was he yeah. a player or manager? He was a player. Yeah. So was that back in... Yeah, Wembley, we, so was, uh, in 93, was it? Yeah, okay. You went, did you? It's no, no, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. I remember it well, though. Um, yeah. I didn't realise uh, he was involved, no. Yeah, he was, yeah. I, I didn't until I, I did my a little bit of research. Uh, show, it shows that I do do some research. He doesn't look old enough, to actually, to be in a... You know, he, he doesn't look much older than me now, yeah. I believe. I hope my, my sources are correct. Um, yeah, so I, but I believe he did play in that FA Fast with this. Played played for a number of clubs in the, uh, the non-league scene and then actually made his name at Rotherham. Played, I don't know how many games, but he, he had a testimonial. So that points to a, a long career at Rotherham. Yeah, served them as a, a player and obviously as a manager. Uh, so always, I guess, mixed emotions. So um, he's always made it clear that he's a he's a Norwich fan, hasn't he? He has, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think he's uh, uh, delighted to have beaten Ipswich last season, I believe. Yeah. Uh, as a as a Norwich fan, so fair play to him. I was going to ask you. Does it is it important to you that or do you think it makes a difference that your manager is a supporter? I know a couple of high profile ones in the Premier League with um, Dean Smith at Villa and obviously Chris Wilder at Sheffield United. Do you think it makes a difference? Do you think it's it's quite nice in the fans' eyes, but ultimately you probably want the best man for the job, and you can it almost you can get a bit distracted and buy too much into this. Oh, he he supports the club, so automatically we're going to be better yeah. under him. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's an interesting question. I think it's something. Uh, uh, I mean, potentially it could make you less objective if you're a fan of the club. Maybe uh, emotions could cloud your vision. Um, the flip side of that coin is that you can't be a manager of a team without becoming deeply passionately involved in the club either yeah. as well I wouldn't have thought so um, I think it probably buys you a little bit more time with the fans I think it's something yeah. the fans like and I've always worked very much from the theory that um, one of the battles of being a manager is keeping the fans happy and the longer they're on the side the more time you've got in the job Yeah. so if you're a fan of you know if like Dean Smith is a very much a Villa fan that's probably going to give him a little bit extra 5% time yeah no I agree I think you're you're right. I you would have to believe that Daniel Farker is a, he probably is a Norwich fan to an extent, now, isn't he? He can't not be. He can't yeah. have done the things which has done uh, the team he's created and the bond he's sort of developed with the crowd, particularly in the 
championship winning season without yeah. becoming, uh, you know, somehow emotionally involved in the club. I mean, he must be like a genuine lover of Norwich. And, you know, if you've got to think of managers maybe like Alex Neil, I mean, he's done a lot of good things for, you know, at Norwich. Obviously, didn't work out in the Premier League, but winning the playoff final, that must be a very special day for him. I yeah. can't believe he's not got some emotional connection with the club now. I think he's always spoke quite fondly of his time at, at Norwich, which is fair play to him. I guess on that basis, would you welcome Paul Warner if his name was put forward, say the Norwich vacancy become available? What would you think if he put his name in the hat? Uh, so he's done very well at Wolves. I don't know too much about him as a manager. He seems to have done very well at Rotherham on a limited budget. Yeah. I, what I've seen of Rotherham, particularly the away game last time we played them, they seem to be fairly agricultural if it makes sense yeah so it's hard to know really whether that's what he's looking to build a team to do or whether that's because he's you know cutting the cloth accordingly so um i personally believe that's not how the club would go at the moment yeah and so i don't think so um but obviously if he wants to come in and you know show he's got a bit more about him then that's yeah. brilliant so uh, i would ne- never say never but i can't see it at the moment yeah no that's fair play and um I guess sort of linked to this, what are your views on, not necessarily fans, but ex-players? Every time there's a vacancy at a club, a few of the ex-legends' hmm. names are suddenly thrown into into the hat. Uh, we had it ourselves, didn't we, I guess, with Brian Gunn. Yeah. But I always think, again, it's a, a difficult one. I think you get your rose-tinted glasses on, and just because they're an ex-legend, ex-player, doesn't automatically mean they're, they're the answer. They're going to you know, be a great manager for the club. I think that's true, and I think um, I think sometimes it's just lazy journalism. It's a little bit like, uh, uh, you know, through the transfer window, we got linked with various ex Norwich players who came available again, like Chris Martin and uh, yeah. and uh, one of the Murphy brothers. Uh, it's just lazy journalism, I think, a little bit. I don't I don't usually think there's too much substance in it. Yeah, I mean, it happens. Brian Gunner felt stepped in to try and help the club out in a time of need, but didn't yeah. really work out for him. More importantly, you've just got to look for a, a properly good manager, haven't you, or, or yeah. coach. If it happens to be an ex-player, that's brilliant. But you know, that's not that's not a big deal for me. Yeah, and it, you don't get too many examples of ex-managers coming in and uh, sorry, ex-players coming in and being successful managers. You know, sort of. Yeah, I think it's Frank Lampard's the one at the moment, isn't he, with Chelsea? Yeah. Um, and then you got Oli at Man United. I yeah, he's the other one. But almost, you look at the the big clubs. Uh, sorry, the successful teams at the moment: Liverpool, Klopp. Yeah. No connections there, was there? No, you know? no. And I'm sure there was consideration of getting Gerard in when the fakes came up, but obviously, in hindsight, it was a wise move to not go down that route, which must have been tempting, even though he was unproven, to uh, to get Gerard in and to, to go with Klopp. Yeah, agreed. It was proven. This is it, and I think, I, I, I believe Liverpool are probably got Gerard in mind for the future keeping an eye on how he does yeah. but I yeah I'm, I don't always think it's necessarily a good thing to do no. uh, yeah so no it's not something I'm worried about so we talked about last time we played them back in the, the championship winning team so do you remember the home game 3-1 we won in the end we were 1-0 down for about an hour and it was a memorable game for Norwich in that it was the first goal for Todd Campwell at Carrow Road yep and then I think Campbell's assist came from Max Aaron's, and then I think Aaron scored himself. So it is one of those wins where there was a strong academy 
presence uh, going through the through the game, which always makes it a, a bit sweeter. Yeah, I wasn't actually there for the game. I'm pretty sure I wasn't there for the game. I think I he, was... he only goes to the big. The big, goes games, to the big yeah. games. No, I was actually going on holiday at, on that day. Uh, it's December time, wasn't it? I believe. Yeah, the beginning of December, and I think I was on the way to the airport listening to it on the radio. And uh, so I can't comment too much on it, other than the fact I did watch the goals. And uh, yeah. yeah, you're quite right. Um, obviously, that's one of those games you look for at home as uh, if you're going to do anything in the championships, a must win, which they yeah. lads duly delivered. And yeah, it did sound like it was a coming of age for some of the younger stars. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Were you there? You, I presume you weren't there for that I moment. wasn't, no, no, I wasn't going to make the, uh, the 400 mile round trip for that one <laughs> show my my uh, uh, colors there so I, I actually talking about maybe we could have a scenario where paul warren is the manager and todd campwell is the assistant manager if we want to keep it <laughs> keep it norfolk based i mean yeah well one, one step aside i mean todd campwell was you know what, 21 yeah. it's like <laughs> maybe chris martin there. chris martin yeah, yeah. Chris, chrissy yeah. martin from beckles yeah so this is my teaser to you i was thinking todd campwell Norfolk-born scored at Carroll Road. Who was the last Norfolk-born player to score for Norwich? And I, I began to look at all the squads and I, I ended up giving up after a while. But I've, I've got a name that's popped into my head. But... Well, I assume uh, Chris Sutton. Ah, see. But was he Norfolk-born? He wasn't Norfolk-born, no. Uh, okay, in no. that case... Um... I've got someone... Who came after the Sutton? It wasn't Ryan Jarvis, maybe. That's who I got against Liverpool. Yeah, exactly. Well done, Phil. I, I think that probably is the last Norfolk-born player to score. Which is a, I don't know if that's a sorry statistic in terms of player production and players coming through. I think Norwich's academy has sent a lot of uh, plaudits recently and over the years, but it's incredible how many of those players have been sort of poached. I guess from other parts of the country. So yeah, I, I think Ryan Jarvis probably is the last one and that was 2005. Yeah, I remember watching it. Yeah, that was good um, goal, wasn't good it? goal in I think we lost the game didn't we if I think I remember rightly. It's Liverpool at home so bound to have. Yeah, bound to have, yeah. There's one of those Liverpool or one of those teams that don't really remember us beating very often. It's yeah. like in our recent years in the Premier League, I don't think we got much out of them really. Nah. The odd point. Yeah, no, um yeah, I think there's credit to maybe our youth scouting. I would say that's fair, yeah. that we've managed to get these youth players from various parts of the country. Also, maybe we're fairly low-density population yeah. in Norfolk. There's not that many of us here, is there, really? No. So, um, so it's less likely yeah, one's going to become a exactly. Premier League-level player. Yeah. I think there was a lot of um, hope for Jarvis, wasn't there? There was two of them, wasn't there? Yeah, Rossi as well. I think Rossi Jarvis featured a little bit under Lambert. Can't really remember yeah. actually. Maybe in the League One season, neither of them particularly kicked on. To I think um, there's a lot of expectation for Ryan Jarvis, wasn't there? I think he looked good when he was yeah. younger. Yeah, yeah. looked a decent, decent player. I mean, you know, I'm sure he went on to have a very good career. I, I, mean, I can't say I followed him too much post Norwich. Yeah, I think both Rossi and Ryan have turned up at Lowestoft. I think at various okay. times now. Yeah. When I've been down to make my annual pilgrimage to Lowestoft. Yeah, Phil is a. He does go to Lowestoft quite regularly now, don't you? Uh, well, a couple of times a year. A really good day out. Look, look to be joining you one day. Forward to yeah, it. Proper grassroots football, wasn't it's it? It's a great day out, great fun. Down at the Crane? 
Is that there, Grant? Oh, I can't remember now. Good question. I don't even know. So, what a fan I am. (laughs) Obviously, um, the the bigger issue is the fact they play in blue and white, obviously. So, that's something you have to make peace with early doors. But other than that, it's a good day out, yeah. Excellent. And um, you mentioned the away game at Rotherham. And proper tough game. I think Daniel Fark at the time acknowledged it as one of our hardest games, which is, uh, you know, a massive compliment to, to Rotherham. It's it was the in your face, the harassment, the tough tackling. Paul Wall may be a Norwich fan, but he certainly was looking to. He wasn't going to do us any favours that day in the in the running, and yeah, we they equalised. We we came through it in the end. But uh, Ben Godfrey got a, a headed goal. Yeah, I remember that. I think was it McLean the other one? Yeah, McLean in the first half. But yeah, it, it was a tough clash. Yeah, uh, so I, rem- I remember a few Rotherham fans getting a little upset on Twitter about uh, what they considered to be our play acting and diving. From what I saw the game, which obviously was little more than extended highlight, I would have said that's probably a little, little unfair. I think it's probably more they were quite an aggressive side. Yeah, fair enough. You but know, they had to be. I guess they they knew they weren't going to outplay us. Exactly. It, yeah. Just different ways to skin a cat, isn't there? So should we have the- adapted Rotherham's tactics in the Premier League? Oh, I just don't physically think we've got the players to do that, have we? Yeah. I think that's, that's one thing which maybe did let us down. I mean, uh, obviously, it's frustration with the way we played the ball out the back at times because especially since the ball didn't have to travel outside the box anymore, yeah. that actually didn't work. I didn't think it did us any favours. It meant the pressure was invited onto us. Sort yeah. of like, you know, we're getting possession 10 yards closer to our goal, effectively, from goal kicks. Um, so I don't think that really helped us out, but... You know, a lot of people wanted to say, oh, get it long, get it forward. and But we didn't have the players to do that either. It's decision-making, so, I think, isn't it? You need to know when to go long and when to go short. And I think you've got to rely on the players. Absolutely. But just looking at, you know, players we've got in the side, and lots of very good technical players, but they're not going to be... They're not holding the ball up players, are they? No. They're not big, physical, you know, aerial ball winners. So from that point of view, I don't think we could have done in the Premier yeah. League. I think we had to play how we played, and it just didn't quite work out. Yeah, that's no, fair, fair point. And um, as history would tell us, going to Rotherham's always proved tricky. And I've come up with three examples from three previous promotions where we struggled in South Yorkshire, where we the season that we've got promoted, we haven't got any points. Or we haven't got three points up at Millmore. First one before your time, Fowles. Uh, Fowl normally uh, has a little five-minute nap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, going back to 1981-82, the first season I can remember, actually. So this was our trip to Millmore, Rotherham's old ground. I think it's called uh, the New York Stadium these days, yes. isn't it? Is yeah. a... I have been there, but not for a football game, yeah. Yeah. What else, what other reason would you have for... Uh, you know? It's for a concert. Uh, but I'm going I'm to lose credibility if I tell you who it is. It's actually with you two, so yeah. Oh, OK. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I thought they did the big stadium tour. I mean, it's fairly big. I yeah. mean, you've got like uh, got a lot of people in there on the on the grass, you know. Do you think they saw the name and thought, yeah, New York Stadium? This is, <laughs> this is it. This is going to be huge. Yeah, uh, it's going to be in Uh But yeah, there's a nice little stadium actually. But um, yeah, New York isn't it something to do with the steel? Yeah, to be to New be York fair, there is there is a link, uh, a local link with Rotherham Town. It's not just plucked from yeah the, the more famous New York. Um, but they they used to play at Millmore, so this was our. Our trip to Millmore at the start of the 81-82 season was our first game back in the second division since 1974-75. So we'd had, you know, a good five, six years in the top flight. And that's 
your classic rude awakening, isn't it? Yeah. Your, your first game outside the top flight and you're off to Rotherham. Um, and they beat us 4-1. Okay. Which is an eye-opener, I guess. When you think, you think you're going to bounce back and you're, you're confident and um, you go to a place like Rotherham expecting to turn them over and, yeah, they beat us 4-1. Yeah, we did recover. We won promotion that, that season. That was actually our heaviest defeat and our worst performance of the season. Um, if you're going to do it, the the opening day of the season is the place to do it, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. I, I've seen it the other way round. I think I remember we beat Blackburn 4-1 away. That's right, yeah. And we thought this is going to be a romp. I, I remember, yeah, where Hulam scored, didn't he? Naismith, yeah. one of the Murphy lads, yeah. scored a cracker, I think, if I remember rightly. Absolute belter. It didn't quite work out, whereas the opposite effect here, we, uh, we got that out of our system. It probably was good for for the squad in a way. It probably yeah, it was a wake-up call, and I imagine it probably helped. Yeah. You know, you kind of adapted your game, changed your attitude. You you may remember this one, the clock forward, 2003-2004, Wetherington's champions. Okay. Uh, and it was one of the most defensive games of the season. We had a 4-4 there. Um, there was a hat-trick for Rotherham striker Martin Butler. There was a controversial penalty converted by Darren Huckabee. The consequences of that controversial penalty, there was a fracas, I love that word, in the tunnel. Oh, really? At half-time. Wow, brilliant. It earned a red card for their centre-back and their manager. Hilarious. So you can imagine what was going on in the tunnel. And then there was a last-minute Damien Francis uh, equaliser. So, yeah, I mean, 4-4 again. We were romping the league, but you can tell what a, what a tough day it was up in South Yorkshire. Uh, and then the last one I picked out, you're definitely going to remember this, uh, 2014-15, so Alex Neal's, the first half, second half of the season that he joined us where we got to yep. the playoffs. We went up to Rotherham, it was the last away game of the season. Oh, I do remember, yeah. Yeah, automatic promotion was actually still attainable at the time, had we beaten them. Um, but we didn't. We drew 1-1. A game remembered for Lewis Grabon's red card. That's Do you remember right. that? Do you remember it, yeah. A little, a little cheeky punch. Yeah, stupidity. I mean, Lewis Grabon, yeah, a player who probably remembered incorrectly by some Norwich fans. In the Championship, he was a very handy player. And I remember him getting injured, I think, against Ipswich that year in the running. And so we, we missed him for a, a big you know, several games from the running. And it was actually quite a big miss, actually. We did rely on him quite a bit. He then came back for a couple of games and then got sent off, which, I, yeah, I do remember it well. That was kind of... The chance of automatic promotion was still very much on. That pretty much killed that. It did, yeah. And also ruled grabbing out for maybe one or two games from the playoffs as well. Yeah, it would have. It, yeah, it was the last away game, or the, sec- the penultimate game of the season, we drew that game. Gary Gary Hooper, who we we mentioned briefly in the Bournemouth episodes. Yeah, I liked him. He was a, a proper striker, really, wasn't he? Yeah, top quality striker. Yeah. A genuine finisher. Yeah, I, I'm surprised he wasn't used more, really, it, over the years at times. Yeah, he, he never... He sort of had patches, didn't he, where he was the regular number nine and then he'd sort of disappear. Yeah, but it goes to show, actually, in that promotion season, or the, you know, the playoff season, actually, we had some talent, didn't we? Because we had Cameron Drone, who was banging them yeah. in for fun. Yeah. Lewis Graben and, and Hooper as well. We had some genuine talent there. Yeah, and we had Ricky Wolfswinkel as well. So you think those four strikers yes. in the championship. Exactly, um, yeah. That's a lot going on, really. But that you're right. That 
handed advantage to Bournemouth. I think Bournemouth then just had to win their last game at home, which they, they duly did. But, you know, we had our day at Wembley, so... Worked out nicely. I can't remember who else went up this season. It's Bournemouth, us and... Watford. Was it what? Oh, yeah. yeah. It was Watford. Yeah, you're quite right. Because the song, we talked about this yeah. last time, didn't we? The song got a championship medal for them, didn't That's we? it. So that and playoff and a playoff medal, yeah. And, yeah, and obviously those three clubs came down last year. So I think that... I picked those three games out, and that kind of highlights it's never going to. It's never easy playing Rotherham, is it? And you always, you always get complacent, don't you? You always think we're going to turn these teams over. Yeah, they're, they're hard places to go to, aren't they? They're sort of genuine footballing towns. The yeah. fans are very passionate, very vocal. Yeah, create a very hostile environment. You know that they're not going to try and compete with you necessarily on footballing terms because it's not going to work for them. So. They're physical, in your face. They try to wind you up. And do you think Norwich to... have always been vulnerable to that? The club's traditionally had a bit of a soft belly, hasn't it? In terms of doesn't react very well to clubs bullying them and yeah. getting in amongst them. That can that can be the case. Obviously, last time in the Championship, that didn't happen. We were pretty robust. I felt yeah. actually we stood up well to the physicalities of what was thrown at us. Um, so that obviously that can happen. Um, but we've been pretty good in the Championship of recent times. That I've felt. You know, yeah. So um, hopefully this season will carry on. Yeah, and uh, we've got a collector's item linked to Rotherham. I'll see if you can guess what it is. It, it occurred in the League Cup second round, so an early season trip to the New York Stadium. You can imagine very few fans in the away ends for that one. Um, but what they did get to witness something special. Oh, I, I reckon I know what this is. I reckon it was a Ricky Van Wolfswinkle goal, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Can you? Re- I can't remember the goal. I'm sure I've seen it on telly. I can't um, really remember it. it uh, League Cup early rounds, I generally don't. It was in that striped away kit, wasn't it? Yeah, right. it was at the season where we had three kits, which were pretty much the same. Wasn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I do remember that. So I think we had a lad on loan. I think Odigey. I failed right. his name was was on loan for Rodham at the time, yeah. maybe. But um, I, I do remember that. I remember him scoring. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember the goal. I think it's fairly unspectacular. Yes. Striker's goal. Yeah, but was, that's fair enough, is what it's there for. Yeah. Can you believe that was his second and final Norris City goal? I saw, we both saw the first one, I think, the yeah. Everton opening game of the season. And when he put that header in from um, Whitaker, Whitaker's sort of skewed uh, shot, across. shot hit the ground. and Yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, Wolfsfinkel reacted. Uh, and you kind of just thought, yeah, this is going to be a great season. And you would never have guessed he would score any two goals, would, would you, in his whole Norwich career? I remember him being very bigged up by Alan Shearer on match of the day yeah. after he scored against Everton. Um, I quite liked Van der Wolfsburg. I thought he... I thought he looked like he was going to be a decent player. He wasn't really utilised correctly. We've I'm... talked about that. Yeah. Many a time, we both feel that right player at the wrong time. Yeah. Is that the right or wrong play at the right wrong, time. Yeah, I'm not no, sure. You're the first one, you're right. Yeah, he probably didn't really fit into Chris Heaton's sort of system. And, no. You know, a player like that needs chances. Yeah, it was sort of, I think, a negative team under Heaton was probably a little bit harsh, but unadventurous, But I think is how I would yeah. describe him. And didn't really get much service. I mean, I think he, got, he scored that one chance, which uh, wasn't really... I think that's a shot which went wrong, personally. Yeah. I don't really remember him having another chance until maybe... So when I went to West Ham away that season and Gary, I think Gary Hooper started over him and Gary Hooper missed a one-on-one and I think everyone sort of was like, Ricky 
was on the bench thinking like I'd yeah. actually not had a chance like that all season. I don't think he got another chance until maybe Fulham away with about three games to go, which he fluffed. But yeah. like I think his confidence is well and truly shot by then. It's I think the next game after that Everton one, we went to Hull, and I, d- I don't know whether. I think something happened up there. I don't know whether we had a penalty or something and someone else took it and you thought if he'd have taken it, yeah. then he's got two and two. You know, has he, Is that the take, take off for him? So uh, that was um, that was Aston Villa at home, uh, oh, right, which okay. I think was probably the next home game yeah. uh, when I'm pretty sure Robert Snodgrass took the penalty off him and then missed yeah. it. Yes, that's right, yeah. Yeah, it's little things like that, isn't it? You've, it yeah. makes, just makes you wonder. Exactly. So what could have been? Um, it wasn't meant to be. Uh, it seems no like real a... bad feeling, though, is there? I think generally amongst Norwich supporters, I just I can't remember there being any. There was disappointment, but there was no. Yeah. No real blame laid at you know his door. No, he, he conducted himself well. Clearly, yeah. was relishing the chance of the Premier League. Didn't really work out. But sometimes it happens, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think the fact that he was playing in that league. Cup second round going indicates how far he'd he'd fallen. Yeah, definitely <laughs> down the the pecking order. Um, so yeah, so almost there really. I I remember going to a, a game with you October two thousand sixteen, watching a, a West Hulahan show. I remember we comfortably won three one, and I thought promotion would be a formality. Uh, and again, we didn't. We finished eighth that season. I think that was in the um, maybe that was Farkas first season. But yeah, it, all, all we know is it's going to be it's going to be hard to get the three points. But what what are you going to go as a prediction? Is this home or away? I, uh, yeah, good question. I really should start Sorry, I, I, making I'll, a note of these. I'll Google it quickly. You just fill for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I got dead sound to to fill here. Maybe I'll go over how the predictions things work. So we've got a um, score prediction. Me and Phil having a little competition. If you get a correct result, you just get the uh, the one point. If you get the correct score, the number of points you get depends on what that score is. So, I.e., if you predict a 3 2 win for Norwich and it is 3 2, you get five points. Um, if you predict a 1 0 win and it is 1 0, you only get the one point. And then, obviously, me and Fowl spotted a big flaw in this system in that the 0 0 doesn't really get get you much credit. So, <laughs> and 0 0, we'll, we'll give ourselves five points for that. And um, has, has that filled enough? Time? It has, yeah. We we are away to Rotherham. Away, so yeah. I think we're in a Does that change? Does that change things? Yeah, um, it's a tough place to go to, but I'm I'm feeling confident. I'm thinking actually, you know what? I think we're going to start gelling as a side. Um, yeah. We're going to start start to look like a unit which is moving forward. So I'm going to go two nil Norwich. Okay, I I want to be confident, but I'm going to be a bit pessimistic. I think this could be one of these games that we see a lot with Norwich in that tough place to go. We get bullied, the wheels just fall off. I'm thinking Millwall in that first Daniel Farker season. Um, I think it. I think they might beat us. I'm going to go two um, 0 Rotherham, and uh, and that's it. So yeah, okay, think, so opposite sides of the yeah spectrum there. Fair enough. Yeah. So uh, yeah, thank you for for listening, and we'll we'll be back soon with uh, with the next uh, next episode. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye.